Matthew chapter 18, we'll start in verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. When he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, his wife and his children, and all that he had in a payment to be made. The servant thereof fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion, and he loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out, found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, and laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I'll pay thee all. And he would not. But when cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry. They came and told another Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said to him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all the debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due to him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespass. Peter comes to Christ hoping uh, to hear the answer that he wouldn't have to forgive it endlessly. But to his great dismay, when asked, how often should I forgive my brother? Christ replied, it's not seven times, Peter. It's seven times 70. Now, we know that's not a number that we should count, nor should we put a piece of paper up on our refrigerator, and every time someone offends us, we mark it down until we reach that beautiful magical number and then we can say okay it's been 490 times so I guess I'm done forgiving you and that's not what we're talking about but he's saying it doesn't matter how often you've been mistreated or offended you need to forgive and then he gives them a parable and he says there's a king and he began to take account of his servants and of their debts and he found one that owed 10,000 talents now here this morning, we're not here to debate the amount, whether that was gold or silver, how much money it was. It was simply a debt that he could not pay. Millions or hundreds of thousands of dollars and this servant fell down begging for mercy. And look how the Lord responded in verse 27. The Lord of that servant, he was moved with compassion. This is forgiveness. Being moved with compassion, he loosed him. Forgiveness is letting go of the debt that's owed. He forgave him the debt, verse 28. But that same servant, that same man that had been forgiven so much, he goes out and finds a fellow servant that owes him 100 pence. And he lays his hands on his throat. This is the cause. One hundred pence 
drove him to put his hands on another man's neck, shake him, and say, pay me all that you owe me right now. That fellow servant fell down and said the same thing the very man with his hands on his throat had said just days earlier. Forgive me. Be patient. I'll pay the debt. Look what he did, though. He didn't respond the same way his Lord or the king had responded. He showed no compassion at all. Verse 30, it says he would not, meaning he wouldn't forgive him the debt. He went and cast him into prison. Now, here's the thought I want to leave with you this morning. It's just pennies. It's pennies. The longer I pastor, the more I see this principle revealed in the lives of people that were stuck and frustrated and bitter and angry over pennies. Usually it's not a hundred pennies. Usually it's one or two. Now some are collectors of pennies. But for the most part, the issues that I deal with are not large issues, but penny issues that have been made large because someone, for the sake of a penny, grabbed another man's throat and said, pay me what you owe me uh, or go to prison. Look at the fool that he made of himself because others notice and they always notice that kind of behavior because it's not Christian behavior. That's not Christ-like. Christ is forgiving and Christians ought to fall in that same category. Verse 31, when the fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry. Sorry to see the rage that this man had suffered uh, Sorry to see the marks on his throat because of a few pennies. So they went and told the king, the Lord that had forgiven such a great debt. Look at his response in verse 33. Verse 32, he calls him a wicked servant. Verse 33, he said, Shouldest thou not also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? Now, as we look at this passage this morning, I want to give you a few principles, a few basic principles that might help us out in this area of forgiveness. And the first one is maybe the most important that most things in life we should never have to forgive. Uh, we should simply overlook because they're just pennies. Now, let me say, honestly, if you have to forgive people every day, you are one messed up person. Because 99% of what happens to us in life is just pennies. Now, the first debt, the debt that was pointed to and marked out in Scripture was 10,000 talents, millions of dollars. And think about what we have been forgiven by God's grace through His love. Every sin that we've ever committed, it's all been forgiven. It's under the blood. Now, as we go through life, you'll have to deal with pennies. Oh, there may be a point in life where you'll truly have to forgive someone for something extreme that they did to you. But for the most part, it's a penny. Now, if you're one of those people that walks through a parking lot and it bends over to pick up a penny, God bless your soul. 
but I uh, am just not that kind of person. I'll leave it for someone else. I'll let a child have the pleasure and put a smile on his face because he found a dime or a quarter or maybe a dollar bill. But for the most part, I see no reason to go out of my way and make a hassle out of a penny, a dime, or a quarter. But least of all, a penny. Now let me ask you this. Most of our frustrations, most of our bitterness is caused in life not by sin that someone committed against us, but because of a difference in personality that shouldn't even have to be forgiven. Boy, it would be a beautiful day if we came to the point in life where we just looked at people and said, Sergio is a different personality than I am. That doesn't make him better. That doesn't make him worse. That makes him different. I'm thankful he accepts my personality, and I'm thankful to accept his personality. We can love and accept each other just as we are. So there's no need to forgive him because he might use a different tone, a few different words, a different way of expressing himself. He may seem a little bit harsher, a little less harsh, a little more kind, a little less kind. That's not an issue that I ever need to forgive. That's a personality. That's a penny. You know what happens in marriage? People get married and they realize they're a whole lot more different than they thought. They got married because they had four things in common and said, look at us. We're a perfect match. And then they got married and six months later they said, well, we're not so much of a perfect match after all. And personality that should be just a penny has ballooned into something that is destroying their marriage. Now, a penny seems like a pretty small thing, but if you get it really close to the eye, that's about all you can see. And the longer I live, the more I see people doing this with a penny. They walk to my office, but preacher, you've got to see, this is immense. This is incredible. This is the size of the sun. And you pull it down and you say, hold on for a second. Let's get a better perspective here. No, I don't want a better perspective. I want a prison sentence for this man. I think 50 years of hard labor is what my wife needs. Can you give me one good reason? Well, matter of fact, I do have one. What is it? A penny. You talk to young people, and they're angry, and they're bitter, and they're frustrated with their parents. So what is the source of your bitterness? I've got a good reason, and wait till you hear this. You're going to be overwhelmed. Okay. Did you see this? Oh, it's a penny. You know why people are in love with their pets today? I drove out of the parking lot, pulled up the stoplight, looked over, and there was a dog sitting in the front seat of a car. That's disgusting. I hope I never get invited to sit in your car. Never mind. You know why people are in love with their pets? Because a pet can be sent outside if there's any level of disagreement. Never talks back. Never has an angry comment or discussion that pet can put up with that man's faults and failures and defects and comments and come back the next day with the tail wagging 
that's the kind of relationship we want, one-sided, uh, where we set all the rules and don't have to put up with any imperfections. That's why people are in love with internet relationships. This is why you shouldn't start a relationship on the internet. Everyone looks perfect on the internet. Better be careful, that's probably not their picture. If it is, it's from high school. You know what happens? They like to go online, and then once, once they begin to see faults or discover disagreements, they can simply hit delete, friend, block. When I have to listen to you, you know the problem with the marriage, you can't do that. You've got to come home. You can't turn off the screen. You can't flip the switch. You can't block that person from ever commenting again on a difference of opinion or a contrary belief. But most of what we deal with in life and most of what makes us angry should never, ever have to be forgiven. It should simply be overlooked. How many of you struggle to forgive? Come on, let's be honest. You struggle. Say, Pastor, it's difficult. Okay, let me tell you the key where you don't have to struggle to forgive. Stop being offended so you'll stop needing to forgive. I made a decision. I'm thankful for a father that taught me a principle a long time ago. Avoid forgiving by avoiding offense. Just don't get upset about things. Overlook it. It's a penny. Uh, because the command is to forgive the 10,000 talents but most of us who here can simply raise our hand and honestly say, I've had to forgive a $10,000 or 10,000 talent debt. Who here can honestly say that? Oh, one or two, but for the most part, we've never had to deal with that. And it's not like you had to deal with that repeatedly, but maybe once or twice in your lifetime, the rest of what you're dealing with is simply pennies. And boy, have we ever gotten stirred up and shaken over pennies. Boy, our blood pressure's gone up to about 238 over 125. The doctor would say, you need medication, and God would say, you need forgiveness. That'll lower your blood pressure. We don't like what the Bible says on the matter. The Bible says, only by pride cometh contention. Pastor, I have a marital problem. No, you have a pride problem. Pastor, that woman, that man. No, it's really that pride. But it's amazing what we can remember. Our minds can vividly remember the circumstances concerning that penny. Pastor was 3 o'clock. He came in here, blue shirt. He was wearing a tie like he was some kind of super Christian. Wow, you've got an amazing memory. You can't remember what I preached last Wednesday night. You can't quote a single verse of scripture. But 10 years ago, you got hurt. Someone messed up, left owing you a penny. And you can still remember the tithe, the shirt, the time of day, and the place where that penny was taken. That's a bitterness that's already set in in your heart. Here's the point he's trying to make. It's just pennies why are you so sensitive? This generation has taught us to be sensitive. To be so politically correct in the way it's said and the tone it's said in. Great peace. 
have they which love thy law and nothing some of you misunderstood the scripture and you said okay a penny is nothing nothing shall offend them a penny's going to offend me that's a misquotation a misunderstanding nothing is supposed to offend you you know how silly we look when we get upset over a penny how many of us have lost our testimony our reputation in front of others because something happened we got disturbed about a penny reached out put our hands around someone's neck now, I'm not talking about physically metaphorically speaking you got worked up how many times have your children seen you worked up or your mate seen you worked up your co-worker seen you worked up over a penny so you say pastor what do I do well, the best thing to do is simply overlook, get in the habit of walking over the pennies. Because you know what? There are plenty of pennies in life. You are not very smart if everyone you walk over, you pick it up, point it out, and say, I got a penny. But in the Christian life, people are stumbling and bumbling and picking up and grasping for pennies and living frustrated because every day is a penny pickup. Every day is about another frustration. God doesn't want you to live in that way. The best marriages, not marriages where people are sitting there fighting over pennies. Those marriages have gotten way past that when they say, listen, let's not fuss over that. It's just a penny. Now, here's a good rule of life to live by. The only thing that I will even fuss over or discuss is a 10,000 talent problem. Is this really 10,000 talents? Okay, end of discussion. And even, hold on for a second, there's a Bible example. Even if it's a 10,000 talent problem, discuss it and then forgive it. Discuss it, forgive it, walk away. You say, Pastor, well this isn't a matter of pennies. This is truly a matter of talents. This is a big money issue. This is a huge problem. You've got to understand it. Okay, then let's be biblical. Let's take a look at it. This is a problem. This truly is an injustice. This is a hurt. This is a pain. Okay, let's forgive it. That's biblical. That's the Bible principle involved. But most of what we deal with in life should never take any forgiveness at all. It should simply be overlooked. Now, here's my next question. Why do we get so crazy over a penny? This is what was owed. This is what was owed. Hold on for a second. Go with me. Verse 28, that same servant went out, found one of his fellow servants, which owed him 100 pence. He laid his hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what thou owest. Did you know unforgiveness will make you an ugly person? Now, can you imagine this morning, if you went out to the parking lot, there you found me and Brother Robert talking. But at some point, the conversation becomes so heated, you watch me reach over, grab Pastor Robert by the neck, and begin to shake the living daylights out of him. Uh, you would become embarrassed, step in, try to become the peacemaker, and say, can you tell me, Pastor, what the issue is here? Well, I think we have an irreconcilable difference 
that simply cannot be resolved. I don't know if we can resolve this problem. You don't, no? Well, tell me about it. Well, you've got to understand about six months ago, Pastor Robert borrowed a dollar from me. He did, yeah. He needed a Coke. We're down here at the store. There's a machine, Coke's for a dollar. He needed a dollar, and I gave him a dollar. You did. So then what happened? He never paid it back. He didn't pay back the Coke. So what's, tell me, let's get to the problem. No, that is the problem. Are you talking about the white powder kind of Coke? Or are you talking about? I'm not catching the gist here. What's the problem? The problem is the dollar. You're choking his neck because of a dollar? Yes. Don't you understand? He has never paid me back. He never even apologized. He never came to me and said, here's the dollar back. And I know there have been times in life when he went back and bought another Coke, but he didn't even take that dollar. He should have avoided the Coke. He doesn't need that. And Miss Joe, if she knew he was drinking Coke, <laughs> would not be happy with that anyways. She had a green guava juice waiting for him at the house. But no, that sneaky, sneaky man went by Bonico when he should have given me the dollar. Do you see what's happening? By now, you're trying to keep from smiling and saying, I'm not getting what is going on. This is, this is stupid. Your friendship should not end. Your relationship should not be over because of a dollar. Why? Do we have so much craziness going on in this world? Over 100 pennies. Go with me to Matthew chapter 5 for just a minute. How is it that we would let our relationships end? And let me just ask you this. Is our relationship with our husband or our wife, our pastor or our neighbor, is that relationship really worth less than 100 pennies? When we allow this to cause frustration in a marriage, cause frustration in a church, cause frustration in a friendship, we are saying the value that I have placed on this relationship is worth less than 100 pennies. Look what it says in Matthew 5, verse 42. Give to him that asketh thee. Well, pastor, I know how to avoid offense. Just not get around people, help people. No, the Bible says you're supposed to do that. That's Christianity. Give to him that asketh of thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor, hate thine enemy. I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you, and persecute you. There is nothing in that text that would justify you holding a grudge or becoming angry even with your enemy. But your wife is your mate. Your pastor is your friend. That co-member is a brother in Christ. Not your enemy. You're supposed to bless them all the same. Love them, do good to them, and pray for them. That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For you make the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. Verse 46. If you love them which love you, what reward have ye? And that's where most people are, their love is so basic, their Christianity is so small that they struggle to love even those that love them. When I have young people angry at the parents, 
they can't even love the ones that love them the most. I have people and have had people disturbed and frustrated and angry with me. Same people that I've helped financially, spiritually, emotionally invested in with no return, no personal gain. How many have left congregations all across America having received help and support and love and care, not just from the ministries of the church, but on a personal level from the other Christians in the church, but are angry and find it difficult to love those that love them? How many marriages have ended over pennies? How many members have left congregations because of... Not because they said this church is Calvinist and I'm not a Calvinist and biblically that is doctrinally incorrect. Not that a member leaves because the church has stopped preaching eternal security but because that man sat in my place, he parked in my spot, he didn't shake my hand, he borrowed my mower and returned it without gas. What kind of Christianity is that? I ask you. It's a gasless Christianity. <laughs> but that's okay because you're a big enough Christian to overcome that. Because you realize that relationship, that marriage, that friendship is worth more than a hundred pennies. Look what First John says. He says something about a Christian and the love of God being inside of that Christian being demonstrated through the behavior of that Christian, 1 John 2.10, He that loveth his brother abideth in light. Now, let me just highlight for a minute. It doesn't say he that loveth his perfect brother. He that loveth his sinless brother. I want you to look around this auditorium this morning. Help me out. Those of you that are born again, you're a child of God. You're a brother in Christ. Raise your hand. Okay, look at all the people you're supposed to love. You don't get an exception clause based on a personality or a difference of opinion. You don't get an exception clause because someone hurt you, mistreated you, did something wrong. It says, if you have Christ dwelling in you, if you're a born-again child of God, if the love of Christ is in you. He that loveth his brother, he abideth in the light. There is none occasion of stumbling in him. Period. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and he walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because the darkness hath blinded his eyes. Look what it says in chapter 3. We could read the whole book, because most of that is speaking about loving God, and as a result, loving your brother. Look what it says, verse 14. We know that we've passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and he knoweth that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Now, we like to go back to Exodus 20. Thou shalt not murder and say, I would never commit a horrendous crime like that. When you become offended, you begin to say things that are as bad as murder. You begin to think things harbor in your heart what God calls murder and I've seen people hurt so bad with a single phrase 
one time, one instance, the shrapnel is so deep, some have nearly stopped living. The pain from something that happened 10 years ago, 15 years ago, is still there. Your tongue may be as sharp as a knife, as powerful as a pistol, as deadly as a bomb. God says you better control that. But you see that is the result of unforgiveness in the heart of man coming out, overflowing, seeping out of the pores of a Christian that has long collected pennies. And they enjoy showing off their collection. They can tell you the date on every penny. That's not Lincoln's face. That's Chris Green. That's 2008, Denver, Colorado. Hold on, I got another one in here. Matter of fact, I have several with his face on there. You know what they've done? They've harbored that, allowing Satan to have victory in their lives, sending others to prison. Can you imagine that man in prison? And the questions begin to circle the room. What are you here for? I stabbed a man. What are you here for? Well, we got in an argument, and I beat him up pretty bad, broke his jaw, and he's in a coma. What are you here for? hundred pennies. What? Oh, yeah. Bought a Coke and didn't pay it back. How many have we excluded from our life and ended relationships over a hundred pennies? Their husbands and wives have stopped talking to each other for 48 hours. Hold on for a second. It's not a hundred pennies. It's one. It's amazing what we make a divider, a problem. Forgiveness will keep you from making a fool out of yourself. Let me say number three. When compared to the forgiveness that we have experienced, everything that we have to forgive should be considered a penny. Now, hold on for a minute. I want you to make the comparison. 10,000 talents. Okay, we're talking about, depending whether it's silver or gold, millions of dollars. Can you imagine owing a debt and the man finally comes and says, pay up. Now, this man lied. He just simply lied. He said, listen, give me time and I'll pay all. He couldn't pay the debt. He wanted time. Time enough to get in his car and start driving. North. Get out of this city where they can't find me because I know I can't pay off this debt. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you think you could ever pay off the debt that you owe to God you know in Luke 23, as Christ hung there on the cross, these were his words. Father, looking at the very ones that had falsely accused him, he was God in the flesh, incapable of sinning. A man who had never, ever become angry said the wrong thing, hurt a single person. Those hands had only healed the sick and raised the dead and comforted the lonely but despite being perfect for 33 years, accusers had come in and lied about him. We don't like being falsely accused. Although we are imperfect, the very ones that had hurled those accusations, he hung there and said, Father, forgive them. And the very ones that had placed that crown of thorns on his head and then beat it into his skull, he said, Father, forgive them. And the ones that had spat on his face, 
the same soldiers that had nailed his hands into the cross, he looked at them and said, Father, forgive them and them and them. And they jeered and they mocked and they cried, if you're really God or the Son of God, come down. You talk about saving others, save yourself. And he said, Father, forgive them. And the thief and the murderer, Father, forgive them. And the adulterer and the fornicator and the homosexual and the liar and the doesn't matter what they've done. Father, forgive them. And let me ask you this. If we took the best person in this auditorium, put them up on the platform, and then we showed their sins from birth until the present date, everything hidden, every single thought, word, and deed from birth, who would forgive that man everything you thought or he thought about you every private moment every public moment everything hidden for decades now revealed most likely his own children his own mate his own best friend would never find it in their hearts to speak to that person again. God says, knowing what I know, seeing what I see, feeling what I feel, I choose to forgive you of everything. That is millions and millions and millions of a debt that we simply can't pay. And then we find some fellow servant that accidentally spilled his cherry Coke the carpet of our brand new car. We say, get out. So that was life-changing. You just ruin a friendship over a cherry soda. Parents at odds with their children. Children at odds with their parents. Teachers at odds with their students. And students at odds with their teachers. And members at odds with their pastor. And fellow members at odds with their fellow members. Because there was a penny involved in pastor this is different than the rest of the pennies that you've seen. This is a major penny. Did you know that we've all received more than we've ever given? Otherwise, you'd have nothing at all. We could take a look at your furniture, your house, your car, your bank account. We've all received more than we've ever given. It doesn't matter what you point to in life finances or forgiveness we've all received more than we've had to give let's ask this man what did you do with that money let's follow the money trail so if you owe millions of dollars that must mean bad investments a house that was repossessed cars that you couldn't afford clothes that you were using to impress people that you should have never been impressing you know how difficult it is to spend millions of dollars and have not one penny to show for it? This man had lived lavishly. Uh, and then he's reminded of that person. So broke, so poor, he can't afford to pay a hundred penny debt. Still probably dressed in one of his finest suits that he had maintained 
he finds himself knocking on the door of that poor soul saying, who are you to hold out on me a hundred pennies? How many of you believe that with salvation came the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? And the fruit of the Spirit is love. You just love people. Joy, peace. Did you know those are all things that can't go coexist with unforgiveness? Can love coexist with unforgiveness? Can joy coexist with unforgiveness? Can peace coexist? Meekness, patience, can any of those things coexist with unforgiveness? So you know what you're saying? The Holy Spirit is doing absolutely nothing in my life while I live with this unforgiveness in my heart. Now hold on for a second. Let's get more personal. You mean to tell me you have so little of the Holy Spirit you can't scratch together a hundred pennies worth of forgiveness? So that same Holy Spirit that's supposed to be producing in you Christ, love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, is so weak in your life that you found a penny you can't get past and you've been stumbling over that penny for months, maybe years. So this same man that had rejoiced in a million-dollar debt being forgiven and forgotten, and let me just say this about God. God has a really good memory. Matter of fact, if you've forgotten, he is omniscient, which means all-knowing. But he's made a choice. He has chosen to forgive. He has chosen to forget you say, well, pastor, I don't have that ability. I am not God. I remember I suffered that and I forgave it. That's why Christ said seven times 70. Not that the person hurt you that many times, sinned against you that many times, but your memory brought it back the next day, in the next week, in the next month. You know what your memory will do? Your memory will help you relive that circumstance 490 times. So what are we supposed to do? Every time it comes to memory, forgive. What's the Bible say in Hebrews? Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. If we're Christ-like, we should say the same. I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness. Their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. 1017, what's it say? Their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. What's the next chapter about? Chapter 11, the hall of faith. How many ever read chapter 11? You see Jephthah mentioned and Samson mentioned and Noah mentioned, the drunk, and Sarah mentioned, the one that laughed at God's promise, and Abram mentioned the one that slept with Hagar, and none of that is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, not a single fault. You know why? God's trying to stress a point he made earlier in Hebrews. Their sins and iniquities, I choose to forgive and forget. He has a selective memory. And then the command is this, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, 
even as what? God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So the same way that God has a selective memory, you're supposed to have a selective memory. Now, if God has a better memory than you and he chooses to forget, he says the same way I choose to forget, you must make the same choice. You take that penny, eliminate it from your life, say, I'm going to forgive as God forgives. Look what it says in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3, verse 13. Forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So what was the point? Go back with me to Matthew 18. What is the point at the end of the chapter, verse 35? What was the point of the parable? So likewise shall my heavenly Father also do unto you, if ye, what's it say? Not from your lips, not from your comments, not from your mouth. If ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespass. So listen, you say, how is it? Go back with you to, to Matthew 5. How is it, preacher, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount? There's so many important teachings here. Let's skip just down to chapter 6. We'll read a couple more verses and be finished this morning. 6, verse 12. How is it that Christ would make this statement? Forgive us. He's teaching the disciples how to pray. We're told to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Then verse 14 says, if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. How can that be that God refuses to forgive me if I refuse to forgive? Now we're not talking about a positional standing before God. You've been forgiven all your sins and iniquities. You've been guaranteed heaven. We're not talking about righteousness that you inherited at salvation. We're talking about a relationship. And God says, I cannot maintain fellowship with you if you refuse to forgive a brother. So the same way you forgive those around you is the same way I can forgive you. If you can't maintain a relationship with her, with her, with him, with him, I can't maintain a relationship with you. And we know that principle because how can we be right with God if we're not right with a brother? How can we think we're right with God if we're not right with our mate? Not right with fellow Christians? Not right with authority? Not right with our family? And then say, now this doesn't mean everyone loves you. This doesn't mean you have a great relationship with the whole world this means you have no ought in your heart no hard feelings no unforgiveness because there are some people that are going to be angry and stay angry the rest of their lives with you that's not the issue the issue is you should not be holding anything in your heart against that person you should say I refuse to live this way consumed by pennies and here's what bitterness is bitterness is penny collecting this is the life of a bitter person. Now, you know the best way to deal with pennies? Let go of them one at a time. Because the more you accumulate, the harder it is to let go. If you've collected pennies for years, now you have an obstacle that is difficult to overcome. But if you've let them go one at a time, it's not an issue. But how many people have grown bitter over the years? They've collected, they've held onto that jar, they have the dates, they know the faces, 
And every chance they get, they want to show you their collection. They call you up. They invite you over. And the conversation always goes the same way. Have you seen my penny collection? Sit down for a minute. I've got to show you these. Got quite the collection here. Lots of faces. None of it's pretty. How many pennies are you holding on to? You have to say there's someone in mind. There's someone that I have not yet forgiven. There's someone that I'm still harboring a grudge against. There's someone that I've placed into prison. There's a relationship that has ended. Frustration in my heart because you've held on to pennies. Go with me to Ephesians 1 and we'll be done. I can't imagine living a life destroyed by unforgiveness. The gratitude alone is a motivation for me to forgive. The gratitude that God has forgiven me of every sin, everything I've done against him and against his word has all been forgiven. And out of gratitude I say, uh, there's nothing you can do that I will hold against you. Harbor in my heart, I refuse. Because bitterness will only destroy me. I don't want to live that way. I want to go to bed at night and sleep peacefully. I want to be able to lay my head down on my pillow and not have you running through my mind because I'm frustrated about an injustice, a problem, or hurt that I suffered. I'm not going to live that way. I know many that do. You don't want to live that way. Look what it says in Ephesians 1 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. How did this happen? According to the riches of his grace. Aren't you glad for grace? Aren't you glad that God finds it in his heart to forgive us? Now, here's where all this starts. Forgiveness starts with salvation. And the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth, dwelt among sinful men, and said, it doesn't matter what you do, what sin you committed, I want to forgive you. I want to give you eternal life. I want you to have the hope of heaven. You cannot have eternal life without having the forgiveness of sins. At some point, you're going to have to repent. At some point, you're going to have to come before God with a broken heart and say, God, I need a cleansing. I want forgiveness. I repent of this sin. I want you as my Savior. I trust you. Trust in you. I trust in your shed blood. And with that comes the forgiveness of sin. And with that salvation and with the presence of the Holy Spirit comes the next command. That even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you, so must we forgive. 